Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. We are so excited that you joined us today. Our lead pastor, Pastor James Lair, is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. I am so fired up about this new sermon series, Zechariah, Your King is Coming. I can't wait to dive into it with you. There's some exciting things about this Old Testament book that maybe you haven't read before or, or heard before, and so I can't wait for this journey. You know, a few years ago, I was working in the oil industry, and I'll never forget when I arrived at my assignment in North Dakota on December 1st. Left Bakersfield in December, arrived in North Dakota in December, two different worlds entirely, I'm telling you what, snow everywhere, wind that will cut through you like a knife. And the hardest thing about making that adjustment, I was living by myself in a studio apartment, and I knew that I wasn't going to be able to come home for Christmas. That was part of the deal. That's the contract I signed. So I knew that once I arrived there, I was not going to be able to come home for maybe a couple months. I wouldn't see my family. I still had two kids in high school, and Jenea, my oldest daughter, was living at home. And so before we left, I had to explain to him. You're not going to see your dad for a while, and I'm going to miss Christmas. And this is the first time in our family that I would have have missed Christmas ever. And so I was just struggling with that. It was so difficult. Jolene was really upset about it. And then my boss showed great mercy and grace, and he announced to me after being there a few weeks, I'm going to let you go home for Christmas. I was so elated, so fired up, and then couldn't wait to tell Jolene, and then she was so excited, and we decided to surprise the kids. We didn't tell them I was coming home. And so when Jolene went to pick me up at the airport, two of our kids were like, why are we at the airport? And that, I was the surprise at the airport. And my youngest daughter, Jessica, was working at the movie theater, and so we were going to surprise her, and we went to pick her up. I was sitting in the passenger seat in the front with a hoodie on. And so she walks out and she looks at me like, who is this weird dude in our car? She got in the back seat and I took off the hoodie and turned around and she screamed, started crying and hugging me. It was so awesome and it was the best Christmas ever. They didn't know it, but their dad was coming home. I want you to know your king is coming. And this is our study. It's, we need to be ready and waiting and watching and prepared for the coming of our king. The author of Zechariah is Zechariah. That's the name. And his name means the Lord remembers. The New American Commentary says this about his name. The prophet's name, along with his message, consistently reminded the nation that the Lord had made a covenant with Israel, a binding commitment that God would assuredly keep The people should respond to the reminder of the Lord's faithfulness with faith and obedience of their own. Israel's security and future hope will be as sure as the faithfulness of God himself, provided that the nation live obediently before the Lord. Now God had always said this through the Old Testament, if you will obey, I will bless you. And God was always faithful, God always kept his word. Unfortunately, the Israelites didn't keep their word. And they walked in disobedience, so much so that they were forced into captivity in Babylon and Assyria. Now, Zechariah was a contemporary of another prophet called Haggai. And they served around the same time. And they both prophesied about the rebuilding of the temple. 
And we know that Zechariah was both a priest and a prophet. Now, usually in the Old Testament, you were one or the other. You were a priest or you were a prophet. But there are a few that had both roles, and Zechariah was one of those. A few others was Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and even John the Baptist came from a priestly line. And so Zechariah's father was Berechiah, and his grandfather was Edo, and they think the reason they mention his grandfather is his father probably died at a young age, and so he was raised by his grandfather. Now, Zechariah prophesied to Judah after the people returned home from captivity in Babylon. In fact, he was probably born in Babylon. And Zechariah returned to Jerusalem with almost 50,000 other exiles that were returned. And so here's a timeline that I can show you. This is in... Uh, B.C., before Christ, 586 B.C., Judah was conquered when Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians. In 538, a generation later, the exiles begin to return. God said it'd be 70 years, and it was a total of 70 years before they all returned. And they began to build the temple in 535 B.C., but they faced pressure, and they had enemies around them. In fact, they had to have a trowel in one hand and a sword in another. They had to work and be armed at the same time because there were people that did not want them rebuilding the temple and they became discouraged. And in 530 B.C. they stopped building the temple. And that's why God had sent them back is to build the temple and then later the wall. And so Zechariah's ministry started in about 520 B.C. And he prophesied about rebuilding the temple, and it was completed another five years later. So you kind of get an idea of a timeline of when Zechariah the prophet's ministry served. Now the theme of Zechariah is your king is coming. And in fact, it prophesies about the first and second coming of Christ in the book of Zechariah. In fact, Zechariah is quoted over 40 times in the New Testament, which is amazing that this book has such prominence in the New Testament. And the only Old Testament book to speak more about Jesus as the Messiah was the book of Isaiah, but in second was Zechariah. And so we see this about the message of Zechariah in Tyndale's Old Testament commentaries. It says this, Zechariah's primary message, however, was an exhortation to repentance and spiritual renewal, a return to a right relationship with God. In fact, the central theme of Zechariah's sermons is encouragement, and he explicitly states his duty as one of comforting and strengthening the people. As a complimentary voice of Haggai, Zechariah also reinforced the summons to the people to rebuild the Jerusalem Temple. And so Zechariah and Haggai were, were to encourage the people to finish the temple. Haggai was more direct and confrontational, whereas Zechariah was more encouraging. How I many you know we need both in our life? We need all of those voices to, to get us to complete the task. And so I believe this is the same message for today. Your king is coming. Make it personal. Not just our king, not just the king, but your king is coming. The Bible speaks of this over and over again. The, one of the last words Jesus gave before going to heaven is, I'm coming back. And so as we go through this study, I want you to make it personal. He is your king. Jesus is your king, and he is coming for you. And that's in a good way, not in a scary way. And so Jesus is coming, so it's a time 
for repentance. It's a time for renewal. It's a time for rebuilding. They had to rebuild the temple. I mean, you know, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we could use some construction. Amen. We could use some repairs on our temple. And so as we're waiting for our king to come, we work on our own heart and our own lives. And we need to make sure we have a right relationship with God. The Lord is coming. Are you right with God? This is very important. Are the members of your family right with God? Because God may use you to get them right with him. This is not a time to be away from the Lord. This is not a time to walk away. It's a time of encouragement, comforting, and strengthening of God's people that they would return to the Lord. Let's read our text, Zechariah chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. In the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the son of Edo. The Lord was very angry with your forefathers. Therefore tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says, return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Do not be like your forefathers, to whom the earlier prophets proclaimed, this is what the Lord Almighty says, turn from your evil ways and your evil practices, but they would not listen or pay attention to me declares the Lord. Where are your forefathers now? And the prophets, do they live forever? But did not my words and my decrees which I commanded my servants, the prophets, overtake your forefathers? Then they repented and said, the Lord Almighty has done to us what our ways and practices deserve, just as he determined to do. Let's unpack this passage of scripture and dig into it. There's so much good stuff here. First of all, Zechariah uses a certain word to describe the Lord, the Lord Almighty. This name for God, Almighty, is used prolifically throughout the book of Zechariah. In fact, it's mentioned over 50 times, the Lord Almighty, the Lord Almighty. And there are many names for God in the Bible, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider, provider. Jehovah Rophe, the Lord our healer. There's many different names for God, and this is another name for God, Almighty. Now, the King James translates the word Almighty into the Lord of hosts. The New Living Translation translates it into the Lord of heaven's armies. And the Message Bible, the God of the angel armies. Well, they're all right. Because this same Hebrew word means all of those things. Almighty can mean a mass of persons or soldiers, especially organized for war. So there we get the Lord of hosts or the Lord of heaven's armies. But it also means all-powerful, universal rulership, glorious kingship, total authority and lordship, master over every force with warrior overtones. Wow, that fires me up. That's what almighty means. That's the name of God. He's all-powerful. He is the universal ruler. He is a glorious king. He has total authority and lordship over the world and our lives. And he is a master over every force. The Lord God is the almighty warrior of heaven's armies. Never forget that. That is the God we serve. First point I want to make this morning is this. God is our all-powerful warrior king. He fights for us. And I've got news for you. He never loses. He has never lost a battle. He has never lost a war because our God is greater. He is all-powerful. Satan is not all-powerful. Satan is limited in his power. God is unlimited. 
And so whose side are we going to be on? We can trust the Lord because he always wins. Don't you love that? He always wins. And see, the people had before them an impossible task. They were supposed to rebuild the temple. They didn't have the resources. They didn't have the talent. They didn't even have all the protection. There were people that were against them, attacking them, trying to get them to stop the temple. And so the people needed a warrior God, a warrior king. And that's who Jehovah Almighty is. And so whatever difficult task is before us, whatever battle you're facing, whatever fight you're going through, whatever attack of the enemy has come against you, I'm here to tell you God is your warrior king and he will fight for you. We need to believe that. We need to know that God is all-powerful, that Satan cannot defeat him. God always defeats the devil. And so we need to have that faith that when we are in the battle, when we are in a fight, whether it's you know, personal, spiritual, emotional, a physical struggle, whatever it may be, a sickness, you know, a loss of a job, whatever challenge you're going through, believe that God is fighting for you and he never loses. Now, it may not always turn out like we expect, but it always turns out like God expects. And so our warrior king is coming. I'm telling you, when Jesus came the first time, Little baby in a manger. You know, all cute and soft and all those very humble. But when he comes again, he's going to have fire in his eyes and a sword coming out of his mouth. And he is coming as the warrior king to bring judgment to the earth. That's the God we serve. And that's the God that is on your side. More importantly, you better be on his side. You want to be on the winning team. It's not the Dallas Cowboys, I'm telling you right now. It's not the 49ers either. It may be the Seahawks, but it is God for sure. And so what must we do? If we know that Jesus is coming, we know that. And this is important. The church, the Bible challenges us to always keep that before us, the Lord's coming, the Lord's coming. Because God knew we'd we'd forget and we'd put it aside. Every time we take communion is a reminder, Jesus is coming again. It says, do this in remembrance of me until I come. And so that always should be mindful of us. Jesus could return right now and I couldn't even finish my sermon that I worked so hard on. He could come right now. Or he could come tomorrow. Or he could come 10 years from now. But he is coming and we should always be ready. And so what must we do? First of all, it says, return to me. We must return to the Lord with all our hearts. Because if we return to God, he will return to us. God had warned Israel, don't turn away from me. But they did. Before, and, and as they're going into the promised land, God says, now when you've lived here, and you live in houses you didn't build, and you reap from vineyards you didn't plant, don't forget me. Guess what? They forgot him. And so God even knew that. He knew they were going to blow it. And so he prepared a way to restore them. Isn't that amazing? God knew they were going to fail, and yet he promised to restore them. Look in Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. And that's exactly what happened. Israel was scattered among the Assyrian lands, and Judah was scattered in Babylon. 
But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your uh, exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Isn't that awesome? Even if you go astray, even if you walk away, God's going to come, and if we will turn to him, he will reach us from the far horizon and bring us home. He will bring us back. Even if we fail, even if, we, if our heart wanders, the Lord is always pursuing us. He wants his kids to be ready, and he wants his kids to be home. And so the second point I want us to consider this morning is if we return, so will he. You know what? God's just waiting. The Bible says if we come near to God, he will come near to us. How many of you know you got to take the first step? We, we have to come near to God. We have to return to him. And if we return to him, he will return to us. This also speaks of his second coming. If more and more people will turn to the Lord, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And so Zechariah warned the exiles who had returned. Many of them were, had never been to Israel. They were born in Babylon because they were in exile for 70 years in Babylon. And so these exiles, they were returning. Zechariah, the prophet, warned them, said, Do not be like your forefathers. Don't be like them. They heard my word and they disobeyed it and that's why you were born in Babylon. Now you know why. We can't control where we were born, but I'm glad my, my birth certificate doesn't say Babylon. They were born in Babylon because their forefathers, their ancestors, their parents and their grandparents had turned away from God. How many of you know sometimes our actions can influence future generations? So we need to be mindful of that. And that's what happened. The parents turned away and the children suffered for it. They had to live in captivity in Babylon, but even in God's mercy, he said, it's only for a little bit of time and then you'll get to go home. The place you've only heard about. You haven't even been there. And so the exiles returned and they knew why the, that they had been exiles. They, I'm sure their parents told them, we blew it, son. Sorry, I ruined it for you. Grandpa's saying, yep, when bouncing on his knees, saying, yep, I made a mistake. I didn't serve God, and that's why we're in this miserable place in Babylon. Babylon is modern-day Iraq. So it's wilderness, desert, you know, not a fun place to be. And so their ancestors would not listen to the prophets. You know, one thing Jolene and I have tried to do is not pass on to our children the same mistakes we made. Don't we want our children to learn from our mistakes and not repeat them. But they, God, God is so faithful. He doesn't judge without a warning. God gives us a warning. And sometimes he gives multiple warnings. He sent prophet after prophet after prophet. Some of them they killed. Tradition says Isaiah was put in a hollow log and then sawn in two. How about, how would you like that? And so they didn't listen to the prophets. In fact, they killed them. And so 2 Chronicles 36, 15 says, The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent word to them through his messengers again and again because he had pity on his people and his dwell on his dwelling place. But they mocked God's messengers. 
Jeremiah was mocked constantly for preaching the word of God. They despised his words and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of, God, of the Lord was aroused against his people and there was no remedy. Don't mock God's prophets. God doesn't like that. And God's sending, his prophets are an expression of his mercy. God never judges without a warning first. He warns us. He gives us chances. He gives us multiple chances. But at some point, judgment will come if we don't return to the Lord. We should learn from the mistakes of our predecessors. And that's number three. Let's learn from our past, not repeat it. We all have a past. We've all made mistakes. We've all have things that we may regret. But when we come to Christ and we return to the Lord, how many knew we can't, we can't dwell in the past? We can't let Satan continually remind us of our past. We can learn from it, but we shouldn't live there. Don't live in the past, just learn from the past. And there, there are, we, we should learn from our mistakes. We should learn from our past. It's time to break generational curses. We don't want to pass on to our children what may have been passed on to us. We can make that break. Your king is coming and he wants you to be free. We can't change the past, but we can change the present. And what's going to happen from here? And so though the people and prophets of the past had passed away, there was something that did not pass away. They died. Number four, the only thing that lasts is the word of God. The people died, the prophets died, but God's word never dies. Jesus said this about his word in Matthew 24, 35. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. This is so important, it's mentioned in Mark and Luke. The same words. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will never pass away. People come and go, but God's word remains constant. Not only that, God's word is powerful. It will not only never pass away, it will accomplish what it is supposed to do. Look at Isaiah 55 verse 10. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven... And do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. If God says it, it's going to happen. No matter what. We live in a time where you can't trust any voice almost anymore. Isn't that right? I mean, here we have the internet. We can hear people's opinions from all over the planet. And that is not necessarily a good thing. Because, I mean, you don't even know what to believe anymore. One time an expert will say this, and then a few weeks later he'll contradict himself. Things are changing constantly, and people don't even know what the truth is anymore. But I'm here to tell you... There is one source that we know always is the truth, and that is God's word. It will last forever. It's the only thing we can hold on to. Now, I want to challenge us. The king is coming. Your king. Your king is coming. And what he wants us is to be ready. 
And the way we get ready is to know his word. I want, I, you, know, you know I stress this all the time, but it is our daily bread. It's what feeds our spirits. And we really have no excuse. Do you know there are people around the world that maybe have one page of the Bible or one book of the Bible. It's all they have. Man, we have so many Bibles, we even have it on our phones. I mean, sometimes I get, I like the Bible read to me with an English accent. I, I actually have a Bible program on my phone. It can read the King James to me in an English accent. The King James sounds so cool in an English accent with thou and thee and oh man, it's just awesome. So we, I don't have an excuse. I can have the Bible read to me by my own phone. And so... None of us have an excuse. We should be in the word daily. And I'm not trying to make this legalistic, but it's life or death. It, it really is. In the, in the days we leave, even if it's just, I read quality over quantity. So I'm not, I know that some read the Bible in a year, more power to you. Every time I try a Bible annual reading plan, I get so far behind that I can't, you know, it take me days to catch up. And so, because when I read the Bible, I may only read one verse that speaks to me, and I meditate on it, and I, I, I really realize, God, you're speaking to me. So I don't, I don't worry about quantity. I worry about quality. I want to be in the Word daily, meditating on it. Sometimes I'll read multiple chapters, sometimes just one verse. What's important is that every day you read His Word, or you listen to it in an English accent, whatever is better for you, I'm cool with it. But as your pastor, I believe I have a prophetic voice to speak into your heart and into your life. And I want to stress to you, now is the time to get serious with the Lord, with his word. You see, the ancestors of the exiles knew they had done wrong, and so finally they did something about it. They repented. While they're in Babylon being punished for their sin, they repented. And because they repented, God sent them back home. You look at Daniel, he repented for his entire nation. I love how the Message Bible translates Zechariah 1, 5, and 6. And where are your ancestors now? Dead and buried. And the prophets who preached to them, also dead and buried. But the message that my servants, the prophets, spoke, that isn't dead and buried. That message did its work on your ancestors, didn't it? It woke them up and they came back saying, he did what he said he would do. Sure enough, we didn't get by with a thing. My last point this morning, number five, is repentance is our wake-up call. They woke up. Here they are in Babylon, in slavery, in exile, in a foreign nation. And it finally woke them up. It's like the prodigal son who was eaten with the pigs. It says he came to his senses. He woke up. What am I doing eating pig slop? I just need to go home to my father. And the, the exiles realized we have sinned. We need to repent. We need to turn back to our father. And so repentance is the key for the coming of your king. And repentance is not a bad thing. It's a great thing. The Bible says if we repent, if we confess of our sin, he'll forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
I'm telling you, repentance should be part of our daily prayer because we all sin every day. I got news for you. Even your pastor. We all fall short of God's glory. And so every day we need to say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me for what I said. Lord, forgive me for what I did to that person. Lord, forgive me. And he promises immediately to forgive us our sins. Wow. Wow, repentance prepares us for the king. Are we ready? I want us to sing this song about the name of Jesus. This is such a powerful song. The power in his name. So let's just take a few moments where you're seated. Just have an altar time and, and ask the Lord, God, search my heart. Is there something I need to repent of? Is there something I need to turn from? Lord, search my heart. So as, as the worship team sings this song, just let the Spirit search your heart. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name Let's sing that from the top. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every fear and all anxiety. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. To every soul held captive by depression, I speak Jesus. Hallelujah. The name of Jesus, there's power in that name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask this morning if there's anyone who has not given their life to Jesus. Or maybe you had at one time, but you know you've drifted far away and it's time to return. Because if you return, he will return to you. If we will repent, he will forgive. And so if you want to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ today, would you just slip up your hand? Anyone in this place? You ready to come home to your father? Yes, yes. Anyone else? I just want to lead you in a prayer if you raised your hand, and I'd ask the Christians in the room to join with me. They're our brothers and sisters. Are you ready? Let's say this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead. And I believe you're coming again. Dear Jesus, I receive. I receive your forgiveness. I receive a new life. And I receive eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, the Bible says that there is a party in heaven going on right now. The angels are rejoicing. They're celebrating over you. And your king is coming. Would you stand with me? 
If you want to come to the altars, remember the elders will be here to pray for anyone. Or you can come to the altars on your own. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Thank you for tuning in today. We are so excited that you joined us. If you chose to say yes to Christ today, we would love for you to text the word born again, all one word to 94090. By doing so, you will receive more information on your next steps in following Christ. We meet every Sunday at 8.30 and 11 a.m. right here in Bakersfield, California at 4901 California Avenue. We would love for you to join us in person. Also, we have a live stream service at 11 a.m. every Sunday morning. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook. If you'd like more information about Bakersfield First Assembly of God, you can search us on the internet at bakersfieldfirst.com. Thank you for joining us today and have a blessed week.